Welcome to Noclip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Prey. Uh, Prey is <laughs> a game that was developed by Arcane Studios, published by Bethesda, and was released in 2017 on Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it'd be greatly appreciated. Mm-hmm. And Prey is a first-person shooter immersive sim game, uh, and it has differing elements of each of those depending on how you want to play, putting it much more in line with the sort of progenitors of this genre than a lot of games that sort of take inspiration have been in a long time. Uh, and this was a really interesting one for me to to go to because of my extreme lack of experience with modern immersive sims. And I've got even less. <laughs> this is what, my second one ever? Potentially, yeah. Uh, but I want to answer a question that you had briefly hmm. uh, just before. I'll splice in the audio here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why did they even call it Prey? Anyway, uh, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) And the reason that they called this game Prey uh, is one of the the interesting things about the development and lead up to this game uh, that basically nobody talks about now because it's not interesting holistically. It just was at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technically speaking, this is a reboot of a game called Prey that came out in 2006. Um where you play as a Native American man who is abducted by aliens and goes to save his girlfriend. Um, And it's an... It wasn't a bad game. It has nothing to do with Prey 2017 at all. Uh, And I'm pretty sure Arcane just wanted to use the title, so they had to buy the rights to the game so that they could use it. (laughs) I see. I assumed it was just like a like a name recognition thing, possibly. Uh, it's like a PR move. Like we'll call it this because people know this, right? But that's the thing: people know Super Mario. Mm-hmm. I don't think that many people know Prey. I guess I I still think like that is like the power of a brand name, though. Like True. versus a brand new IP. Like if you can call it something that like some people have heard of before that will get it some traction then yeah and also like i said people talked about it a lot in the lead up to the game Mm -hmm. so probably did something i'm fully on board with that explanation (laughs) on board the space station i'm fully on board the space uh uh, if i can talos one uh on that one um because i'd never even like seen a screenshot or any video or anything of the original prey and i was just looking at it uh before we sat down to record and i was very surprised uh how different it looked yeah it's a strange one and uh we'll talk about prey 2017 at some point but i do want to shout out (laughs) my favorite thing about prey 2006 from when i played it as a kid which was a gun that was the guns in the game are all just regular guns with a weird aesthetic basically and their shotgun stand-in just shot like a big blob of goo uh, and so I called it the snot gun, and it was my favorite weapon in the game. Anyway, Prey 2017. 
<laughs> the arcane developed game is what we're actually talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played this game uh, when the demo came out back uh, in 2017 when the game released for the first time. And it's a game that I've wanted to play for a while. And it is Fan Brewery, and it was suggested to us, uh, and I used that as a big old excuse to finally go back and play it. But the thing that I remembered the most from the demo is being mercilessly slaughtered repeatedly. <laughs> like, I thought this game was not so hard uh, the first time that I played it. Uh, and it is still pretty brutal, um, but... It's funny that they even had a free demo for this with there's so many games that don't. And the first hour of this game is so it's so punishing. <laughs> I don't know if they made a lot of sales based on it. Yeah, I um also remember that demo. I don't know if I was there when you played it the first time or if you had me play it cuz you thought I thought it would be interesting. Mm. Um but I think it came out in an era, uh, a not so long ago era, where uh, AAA games did this sort of thing, where they have this very like uh, set PC kind of uh, flashy beginning. Um, I know like Arkham Knight or whatever the open world one is is one of them. Yeah, uh, has an opening like that. Um, uh, just had another one in mind, and oh. Um, Metal Gear Solid Five had one like that. Prey has one like that. Um, and at least it's it's super effective on me because I still think the beginning of the game is like up there is like one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Um, and I, I remembered it. Like I did like immersive sims aren't really my thing. I don't dislike them, but I'm not there's not a big draw for me either. Um, but like I remembered that demo um and when it came up i also was interested in coming back to it so i think that is something that there's some value in but it definitely seems that it's fallen out of favor yeah um because it was just like a brief trend it seemed like yeah and to talk about that intro uh a little bit it is extremely cool uh, and that goes both visually and mechanically. Like, it's a really cool way to start your game by basically giving you full control over your character and allowing you to do stuff and then putting you in this, like, really goofy almost, but, like, spectacle enough that it doesn't seem goofy in the moment of you, like, in the helicopter flying mm. by, like, the name of the studio yeah. being projected on a skyscraper. It looks so good. Yeah, no, I think that's a really cool moment. Yeah, I think it's great, and and it does. And then like having you go through the whole like first day with the experiments and stuff, and then breaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it feels like it could be its own like short like game in and of itself. Like uh, you're stuck in a simulation. And you have to realize it and escape it. Right. That probably is a game. Oh, yeah. I gave you the you knows yeah. symbol because that game that we oh, played, Assemblance. Yeah. Yeah. But one, like, uh, this is going to be like a more accessible version of that. Because that one's pretty... Uh, <laughs> Obtuse? Yeah. That's the yeah. word. <laughs> it's, it's a weird one. But yeah. Uh, maybe we'll do a pocket on it sometime. Maybe. Uh, it's an interesting game. Uh, yeah. As far as like simulation games go, and I... I guess I mean that in two ways, but I didn't when I started the sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
as a game set inside of a simulation, uh, and also, uh, I'm giving it away with the spoiler alert, and I apologize. <laughs> uh, spoiler alert, this game has a twist. Uh, so get the fuck out in three, two, one. The whole game is a simulation within the simulation that you're shown at the beginning. Uh, and the fact that it sets it up like that, foreshadowing some some may say giving it away by being like oh he didn't turn into the chair it get like when you go through the tests and stuff mm-hmm. it does sort of require you to know th- what the mimics are in order to contextualize that in your head but i don't think it would be too far-fetched to guess the ending of this game before you're even 20 minutes in yeah so you just showed me that secret ending or true ending. Or it's just the regular it ending. Oh, it's just re- what happens after the credits. The regular ending. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, just but like 15 minutes ago. And because um, I didn't quite get to beat the game. But um, like I had, had written in my notes like right before watching this scene. Like I, I really liked the beginning. Like I was writing about that as I just said. Um, like with the the hologram screens and like the fact that like, you're stuck inside a simulation and how that matches nicely with the mimics mm-hmm. and like have a cool theme going on. I was like, they kind of just dropped that though. Uh, <laughs> but then lo and behold, it comes back um, big picture. So like, I didn't call that the whole thing was going to be a simulation, but I did kind of pick up on the fact that like they do a sleight of hand, like show it to you up front and then, make you forget about it till the end. Yeah, I, I agree. And for all of the, the blustering I just did about how the beginning of it kind of gives away, I also didn't it just pick up it on up. it. Yeah. yeah. It, it sets it up in a way that you could sort of, even as you learn more about the game uh, and the world that it's set in, you can kind of, like, c- contextualize it in different ways that are technically wrong, where it's like, oh, like maybe they're testing the neuromod because you get that mimic matter ability. And like maybe they wanted me to do that. Like they installed the neuromod, but I didn't know because I was in simulation, that kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> not that it exceedingly matters, but it calls into sort of what I. One of the things that I like about this game narratively, it does not have like a big arcing story with a bunch of different plot beats to it. It has a really, like, uh, I wanted to say immersive. That's not the word. It has a, it has a, like, a evolving story that you have to sort of, like, piece everything together. Yeah, it's, at least um, from what I know, like, a very immersive sim style story mm-hmm. where you're, like, plopped down into a, uh, a game world that's, like, during its downfall and you interact with, like, these larger-than-life kind of characters um that are like clinging to the power positions they had and those are like the primary like npcs you interact with and stuff like that yeah and also the fact that you rarely actually interact with the npcs they're Mm -hmm. always like voices on the radio uh the fact that they do exist in this game is almost like kind of a novelty to some extent Mm -hmm. uh within the genre uh, it's really cool. I think that they do it really well, and it makes you think about the state of things uh, and how, like, everything is working in tandem within the ship 
without ever having to like stop you and sit you down and be like here's what's going on yeah i agree yeah it always keeps you moving um it's basically you're basically just trying to escape um and deal with like the alien threat Uh um and so like it it is pretty organic like just like things keep happening as the you know things go awry and this and that and things are falling apart and like you just kind of are moving from thing to thing um and it it it's really, I think, organic, um, like, cause it's like a classic video game trope to like try and save NPCs to see their stories or have it like affect the the main plot in some way. And like having like the being able to access like the crew, um, the crew list and see who's still alive and try and like save specific people. It I just thought it was a good way to do it and not make it feel like too prescribed. Yeah, I agree. I also, that crew list on the security stations is so overwhelming. Yeah, there's a ton of people. <laughs> I kept imagining, like, is there a guy out there who, like, because I could imagine being this guy, but I wasn't this guy in this case, uh, who just, like, goes through the list and, like, tags each person and then goes and finds their corpse and loots it, comes back, <laughs> and then checks the next person. <laughs> I feel like that would be insane. But it theoretically is possible to Mm -hmm. do in this game. Uh, And I think that's kind of, that's the design ethos of Prey is theoretically possible. There's a lot of stuff that you can do in this game. The question is, will you? (laughs) Uh, I don't want to necessarily stick on uh, narrative stuff this early, Mm -hmm. um, both for general flow reasons and because i think i will run hard into a wall yeah if if i try and go too much uh into it um so let me talk about i guess uh how i mentioned that the demo and the first part of this game are really brutal uh and pass it over and see did you have a hard time in the way that i did when i first played it i didn't uh i found the beginning of the game to be pretty manageable mm-hmm. uh for me it got really i've had a difficulty spike when you got like past the first third i felt like there was just like all of the uh med packs and food and ammo just disappeared from the game <laughs> um but then it kind of evened back out as i like got upgrades and stuff so yeah for me the hard part was like the middle-ish chunk Right. Um, but no, I didn't think the beginning was too bad. I might have been overly cautious and just like hit everything when I walked into the room with a wrench. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Yeah, for me, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. In, to start out, I did know the answer to that question before yeah. I asked it, but <laughs> I I did need to get that in there um, because it's interesting because I think it it highlights the, how different play styles go through this game differently because pretty much as soon as I started having more ready access to the fucking superpowers you get, Mm -hmm. everything became a whole lot easier for me. Um, And I remember there being parts during that beginning, like your first trip through the hardware labs um, is like a, it feels like a huge part of the game uh, when I'm doing it, I guess. Uh (laughs) because i'm like trying to sneak by the phantoms Mm -hmm. and not be burned to death by the operator the corrupted operators and 
doing all this stuff to try to avoid detection and like inevitably failing. And I remember a period where I like opened a door and was immediately shocked by a thing mm-hmm. next to me. And I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like classic, just got angry at the game for doing something totally fair within its rights to do. I could have seen the electric box through the window of the door, but I didn't check Mm -hmm. and I got shocked for it and I just committed myself to die (laughs) and reload because I couldn't afford the health that I lost. Uh, And just like going from that to like the end of this game where I could like basically literally fly was it's such an evolution and the way that like my play style was, I felt like I was being rewarded for the stuff that I was actually doing once I got into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that early <laughs> that early game stuff. Trying to be too cautious got me killed more often than, than I thought it would. Yeah, I think that's the difference. Is like I played more aggressive because I felt like I had so many things to heal with. <laughs> right. Because you get like so much food at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You just like open the quick menu and slam the... <laughs> Like it's The Witcher 3. Yeah, it's going to eat up my whole inventory. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't actually even know that you could eat food from the quick menu until you mentioned it to Mm. me. So I basically never ate food until near the end of the game. Well, I guess like the halfway point of the game. Uh, And even that is interesting. Like the fact that the food, how the food works, it Mm -hmm. like gives you five health. And then also gives you a buff that regenerates health. So, like, technically speaking, if you wanted to be efficient, mm-hmm. I guess, like, optimally efficient in a lame way, you could eat one piece of food, wait until the health regen buff runs out, then eat one more piece right. of food and regenerate 100 health over, like, a hour. <laughs> But you're not going to do that. You're going to slam the button to just munch down a hundred eclairs. It's the only way to do that in games like this. Yeah. (laughs) But I tried it. I tried it the other way. I got the the ability well that makes the well-fed buff last twice as long and Mm -hmm. food heals for more. And was like, let's try. Let's see if I can heal with food. No. Well, yeah, if you waited till after halfway through the game, you barely get any of it. Well, sort of, because that's the other thing I wanted to mention is you had a hard time in the third mark of the game because there's just a set number of items and you just got them all early. (laughs) So, yeah, if you don't scrounge around and pick up all the food there will still be food after the halfway fair point enough, fair enough that wasn't true for me <laughs> you were correct in your assumption uh-huh. but it would have been possible <laughs> i ended up scrapping a lot of food like in the recycler for oh, organic yeah. material yeah well yeah yeah once you get more ready like access to the um the matter replicator whatever is fat the fabric fabricator yeah um, which is one of my like favorite things in this game. Um, it's very Star Trek. Um, I love that you can just like take stuff from the environment and put it in like a recycling thing, and it turns all everything into like these cubes and orbs of whatever kind of matter they are. Mm. Then you put them in the fabricator and make stuff out of them. It's very cool. Yeah, it's it's extremely rad. Yeah, it it it's, it feels almost like based enough in like something that could actually maybe exist in like a thousand years or something um, where you just like recycling recycling becomes like very 
um, practical and efficient, and you can just like literally turn shit into other shit, right? Uh, like three D printing and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah, it's very cool, and it's mechanically like a cool crafting system. Yeah, I wanted to shout it out as well at at least some point because I noted I have I am noted hater of crafting systems Mm -hmm. i don't like picking up resources and scrounging around for them i recognize it as sort of a necessity in a game like this um and i really like what i like about this system specifically is you can put shit into the recycler and it becomes four kinds of thing so you're not like, ah, in order to make this thing, I need, like, coffee grounds and a banana peel and a rock and some metal scrap. It's like, I need one block of organic matter and one block of mineral matter. Mm-hmm. And you just, and everything you get funnels into those categories. Um, and to me, that's that feels way better than having to go through, like, an inventory full of named shit Mm -hmm. and figure out what parts you need to put together. Like even figuring out how much of it you have is difficult in games like that. Yeah. And much easier here. Yeah. It's like the extra polish I think that makes it work. Like it's, it feels intuitive. Like Mm -hmm. I was just thinking of like breath of the wild or something where it's like, it feels like the things that you combine feel like they make sense to a certain extent. So you don't have to like think or you really even read. You just like look at the icon. You're like rock salt, Uh wood, (laughs) put them together you know or like you know like a bunch of vegetables to make like vegetable stew or like it's really easy to combine the shit that you want to combine yeah and that makes the biggest difference i think you don't have to like read through a list and like sort and actually like sit there and think too much Mm -hmm. you don't have to read the recipe and check against your you You can just just do it yeah i kind of agree i i wanted to say that breath of the wild's problem is that it does still have like your inventory is now going to be full of like a hundred different kinds of food there's a few too many things yeah but it does it pretty well though also the payoff of like being able to make specific different dishes even those that are mechanically similar is kind of amusing and in you a way. can you can experiment yeah and it, it doesn't just you don't just have to read off of a list or unlock them yeah and it's like if you put a bunch of different stuff together it's not always going to produce the same thing yeah you can and to me that's kind of cool I I still didn't love it. Obviously, mm. I don't know if I talked about it at all when we did our episode. Me neither. On that. I'm kind of a sucker for crafting systems, though. Yeah. Like as long as they're not bad. I, I agree. <laughs> they're easy to fuck up. Yeah. And can be annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, obviously, people I think generally like it. Yeah. Like I like collectibles. <laughs> like I debatably, like... the most popular game in the whole world has the word craft in its title. Yeah. But yeah, no, I like I like collecting things in games, so it's always nice to actually have something to do with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was always interesting in this game where you would see a like a guy who was alive, like a living man, get killed, and you're like, oh god, honey, you got you anything in your pockets? <laughs> It unlocks your inner D and D rogue. Yeah, your murder hobo. Mm-hmm. Or somebody gets fucking eviscerated, and you're like, "Well, at least I got some bananas out of it." I didn't remember him. Maybe, maybe that guy was my best friend. Yeah, who knows? Uh, No sense thinking too much about it. (laughs) Uh, 
But yeah, so that actually does, it's weird, it, but that does make up kind of a huge amount of the gameplay loop of this game. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games where you pick up everything <laughs> and it doesn't get like annoying no. or like tedious to do. Yeah, I think things are spaced far enough and importantly, they put a huge limitation on the amount of resources that they're just going to give you. You have to like really make shit last at times uh at least unless you go full dark side mode mm-hmm. in which case you can probably just <laughs> annihilate everything with your brain uh which is definitely an interesting way of playing um <laughs> but uh yeah like having the like shotgun shells is something that you just always need to have and if you go into something and shoot a guy a lot, you're not going to have them. So you do have to pick that stuff up. And that makes the idea of getting mineral material or whatever feel a lot better because you know that you can put it to good use at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I wanted to ask related to that is how much of that material did you put into Neuromods. <laughs> Could you craft neuromods? Oh no. This is the question you're asking right uh-huh. now? That's that's bad news for me. If there was a recipe for that, I don't think I found it. I don't remember where it is. I know that I picked up at least two. One of which I downloaded from a computer. Mm. So there's a couple of places you can pick them. It is also that's very me to have downloaded or to have picked that up and then just never remembered it. Okay, I used of the times I used the fabricator. Mm -hmm. I would say about five percent of the time I was making health packs. Uh huh. Eight percent of the time I was making ammunition for guns. Mm And 87% of the time I was making neuromods, Ah. which is why when I was like, do you think that this number of neuromods I got was a lot? I made so many, just an unfathomable number of neuromods because what happened to me, and I want to talk about the reason I'm leading into this, obviously, is because I want to talk about the powers and the trees. Mm Mm-hmm. I would look at those trees and I would go, oh, got to have so many of these things. There's so many of these things that I want to do. And so m- the only way to feed my addiction was uh, because the because you don't know this, the re- the requisite material that you need most for neuromods is exotic material which you mm. get from the typhon. I have to kill everything. <laughs> So that was my playthrough, mm-hmm. was I murdered everybody uh, and took everything I could get to stuff into neuromods to make me jump higher, run faster, and take more bullets. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it felt like I had a problem. Like, a, it felt like the game was telling me that you the neuromods... A drug addict for yeah, neuromods? I was exactly the splicers from Bioshock <laughs> and didn't realize it until, like, two-thirds of the way through the game. <laughs> so what did you focus on in your, your ability trees? Um, see, this is something I wanted to talk about, but, um, I... 
I feel like if you give me the tried and true boring options, I take them. Because <laughs> I just hit things with a wrench and shot things with a shotgun. Uh-huh. Um, pretty much exclusively. I, I had the ability, I don't remember what it was called, but like you slow down time. Yeah, combat focus. Yeah, and then I would just murder things with a wrench. Like, I would stun them with the stun gun or shoot them with the glue gun, activate that, and then just wail on them. <laughs> uh, and that was, like, super effective against stuff. Um, once I, cause I leveled up like combat focus to like level three or whatever. Right. Um, so I did that for once I, that I had it up to level three. I pretty much just only did that and tried to like save ammo. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I really like a lot of the abilities. I think they're really cool. Like I love the, it's not a combat ability, but like the mimic matter, the glue gun. And I feel like I had another example of a cool thing that i'm blanking on but um i i wish the game would have leaned into those more unique things that it has and not just like had a pistol and a shotgun as well i mean (laughs) you kind of have to but like i felt like the unique things like being able to use the glue gun to just like scale a wall and get to somewhere it feels like you're not supposed to be able to do Mm -hmm. and to be able to like turn into a coffee cup to roll through a pole in the wall is like the stuff that like you you advertise like yeah. that's cool about this game, um, and you could end up doing surprisingly little of that. Um, that's not really a, something against the game, but like if you're someone like me, um, who's playing like a genre they're not super familiar with, like it's really uh, easy to just go with like the regular shit. Yeah, I think. You're... Like all that, I don't think the I think the only Typhon ability I had was Mimic Matter. Right. Like I didn't take any of those. I think you were fully onto something with this because I think in the end, and I don't. It's hard to levy this strictly as a criticism because there are positives to it, but I think that they definitely should have, if not made it more difficult to just shoot stuff they should reward you more for abstaining like let you do something with enemies that you kill in a way that doesn't have to do with shooting them Mm -hmm. like have the shotguns reduce the amount of material they give you or something uh, because you blast it away with buckshot or whatever Mm -hmm. like there's reasons for it um and yeah to (laughs) To to basically echo what you're saying, and also to kind of explain where why I'm stupid. Well, uh, you're not. I wish I had more of that in me, <laughs> because I feel like there's a lot of like cool shit like this in games, and I'm the kind of person that's never gonna take it because it feels like a waste. Like not taking like do tons of damage when you hit something. <laughs> like I can't. My brain can't not pick that. Right. No, it makes especially like because. <laughs> We're talking about games but, like, that we're jump unfamiliar with. A million with. feet, though. Like I wish that I, in in hindsight, you always wish that you picked those abilities. You do want to jump a million feet for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I have this issue where when I'll start a game and I will want to take an option that isn't the tried and true option, mm-hmm. and I will bounce off the game and not play. Yeah, that. I'm always worried about shit like that. I overthink these things. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not, because <laughs> it has happened to me on multiple occasions, where I'll be like, this seems like the unintuitive thing. And 
spoilers for my final thoughts, but I actually love this game. And part of the reason for that is the very first ability that I leveled was leverage. The ability that lets you pick up a box. (laughs) And I was like, this is weird. Like, why are there three levels of picking up boxes? Like, that's a lot to invest into that. And so my fucking neuromod addled brain, I didn't know it at the time, was like... There has to be some secret strategy based fully around picking up a box. And that's not wholly wrong, but there it's not really a secret strategy. It's just throw a box at a guy. Mm-hmm. So for the first half of this game, like a good third of the damage that I dealt to things was just grab a thing and chuck it like at throw them. a couch at somebody. <laughs> yeah. Like I got the uh, the first Typhon ability and the only Typhon ability that I had for probably fifteen or sixteen hours of this game was remote manipulation, which just let you pick up a box faster and from further away. Uh, so like a lot of I remember running around in uh, one of the earlier areas of the game and just and like it was at the point where like phantoms were still like a difficult challenge for me. But I was able to just huck a coffee table at his face and it would just deal 90% of his health and then you could just easily kill him with something else. And that's what got me to keep... It was like such a vicious cycle of me being like, if I throw a coffee table at him, then I'll have to use less ammo to kill him. And if I don't have to craft ammo, I can craft more neuromods (laughs) in order to increase all of my other dumb shit that Mm -hmm. I'm doing. Uh, and so I ended up loving the game because it let me do that. And it didn't, I was not, bar- I was literally not barricaded. No barricade <laughs> could hold me. <laughs> but I, it did not, like, make the game significantly more difficult because I chose to do something that was arguably kind of dumb. <laughs> uh and I, I loved that. I thought that the, the ability to go through things, and I do wish that they had made shooting... I wish they'd made it better for people who specced into it mm-hmm. and worse overall because it's too easy to blast a guy. Yeah. I think like maybe a solution would be to start you out without guns and focus on the other things early and then you get guns. So like they're here if you want them guys. Right. <laughs> um, kind of a thing. Yeah. Cause like the first thing that you get in the game outside of the wrench is the glue gun, hmm. and I think... Or the... if you're me, you get the stun gun. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't get for fucking eight hours. Like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I, I guess I picked it up off of some guy really early in the game. Because mm. I think it was the second or the third item I got. That's so bizarre. Yeah. And, like, it when, you, when I got it, I was like, this feels kind of like an early game item. <laughs> <laughs> It turns out it's because it was, uh, and I'm just apparently unobservant enough to have missed it. Uh, but yeah, which both do the same thing to enemies, uh, but also both have uses outside of combat. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find much of a use for a shotgun outside of combat. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't do much. Apply yeah, a that's lot a of good force thing. to that's something. That's a great thing to highlight. That's what's so cool about the unique uh, weapons and abilities in this is that they don't just do stuff in combat. Yeah. They do stuff outside of it, and guns don't do that. 
yeah, guns are very so, single-minded. Yeah. It, it, so yeah, it feels kind of like switching between two modes, like the cool, uh, like uh, I, I don't even know how to really describe it. the more like expressive, fun weapons, and then there's the tried and true. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the martial character problem in D anD D, where you have or in other RPGs where you have a character who's like oh, fully built around just smashing a face. Mm-hmm. And then you have other classes that have access to shit that does all kinds of wild stuff. And those characters feel like they have more options in, in more things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think people generally get kind of a, uh, a bit of, a, they're a little angry about that at times. <laughs> yeah. Um, At least that's separated by, like, a class that you choose, though. True. And it isn't just all of it's available to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I will say that this game did overwhelm me a bit with choice. Mm -hmm. And I, in the end, didn't get all that many Typhon abilities. I got several to try, uh, (laughs) to taste. But if you boil down how I played this game, the only ones that I probably would have gotten... Uh, if I was optimizing for not using uh, whatever 140 neuromods or however many I had installed, mm-hmm. uh, it would only be remote manipulation, mimic matter, and uh, psychoshock. The one that that might not even be the right name. Uh-huh. The one, the electroshock, the one that makes an AOE of electricity. Uh-huh. Those were the ones that were useful and that I used regularly, and everything else just felt like. They were worse guns, yeah. except in really specific situations. Yeah. You also had to scan enemies to get them, yeah. Which I think is going to make a lot of people like not get very many because you've already invested into certain trees by the time you unlock those, so they're less enticing to like spend resources on. Yeah, that's true. Though, if you <laughs> yeah. make a million, if you make one hundred seventy-two <laughs> neuromods. <laughs> Maybe not. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I went a bit overboard, I will say. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. This, it is a little tangential. We'll come back to sort of playstyle stuff, I think, in a bit. Um, I want to talk briefly, just like as a, a mention. This game has the, the psychoscope that you pick up. Uh, that allows you to scan things like you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Maybe my least favorite thing in the game. It's very weird because it isn't like a full-on detective vision. Mm-hmm. And it just, it seems to serve a really singular purpose. Yeah. And then just go away. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about this too, because we talked about the scan visor in Metroid Prime, mm-hmm. which is this is what obviously made me think of. Um, and I was thinking about how like I, it feels like it's almost trying to iterate on that kind of idea, because like it doesn't stop the game when you put it up. Right. Like, you just click in the stick and it brings it down and it's just actively scanning shit that you're looking at. Um, and um, yeah, it, it charges up a little meter. Um, you have to like look at the, the specific thing you want to scan for a little bit, and then it's like, okay, you've collected the data, or you need more, and like hit select or whatever to look at it if you want to. So it's like it's less intrusive, 
But I do think, yeah, like there's like an expectation that it's going to be more important. Yeah. And it just kind of isn't like, you know, like there's like this whole like the lead up to getting it is like uh, a part where you have to like jump down off of like a little. Uh, it's like a hole in the ground. Like it's like a little like seating area, like a little auditorium or something. And then there's like a thing, a ledge at the bottom. You jump down, you go through a hole and there's like a hole in the ground. You jump down, there's a bunch mm. of enemies in it. And it's like you're sent down there to get it to progress. Like it felt like a standout moment to me when it happened. Uh, then you get it. And then it's just like, Oh, you get this scan visor. All right. On to the next thing. Like, I don't, <laughs> it just felt like it had like this, like standout build up to its reveal. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like, whoop. And Move there's on. like, if you try and go forward without getting it, which I didn't know I wasn't getting it. I thought I was going the right direction, uh-huh. but I was lost, I guess. Uh, there's like a robot voice and they want, it doesn't open the door and is like, psychoscope required beyond this point. Mm-hmm. And it'll just say it over and over and over again until you get it. And I was like, oh God, I gotta get this psychoscope. So yeah, same thing. You pick it up and then you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Like, I it was, I guess it did incentivize me to actually scan stuff. But that's it, really. That's it had yeah, a I mean, cool I think that's all it's supposed to do lines mm-hmm. on the screen that looked neat. I don't know if that's a plus or not, really. Yeah, I think it's just an expectations thing. It just feels like it's set up to be more of a thing than it is. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to get that out of the way, yeah. really, because we're definitely coming up near the end of the yeah. <laughs> first I, half. I, I felt like I kind of liked it, though. It's like, because I was thinking of it like as a better Metroid Prime scan thing. But the Metroid scan visor at least did other stuff. True, true. But it, it was you... yeah, just the scan ability, but... Yeah. I do, yeah, I agree that I like that it gives you access to the Typhon abilities. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it bars it behind something. Uh, but I was often scanning things and going, never going to get that. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I definitely don't want whatever, like some fire resistance level three. I was like, I don't really need that. There's a lot of investment Mm -hmm. for something that doesn't come up a lot. So I don't know. I was like, I was medium on it, and then at the end of the game, I, like, basically forgot it existed. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's not that many enemies to scan. True. What did you think about enemy variety in the game? Um, I, I really like... This is kind of not related, but kind of also <laughs> is related. But I, I really like the initial mimic enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that had been more prevalent throughout the game because I feel like they have a great setup at the beginning. You go through the little tests um, and you see how like they turn into a chair. Like The introduction to that is like really well set up and very cool. And they have like a very like simplistic little design. They look like a little starfish kind of goo thing. Um, <laughs> they like, kind of like swivel around you don't know what's the top of them what's the bottom of them etc etc um and i i just wish like the other enemies would have just also been mimics like maybe that would have made them too like punishing or something but like i don't know i just liked that theming and thought it was kind of lame that the other enemies didn't conform to that um but that might just be a personal thing um but yeah i i i feel like this happens in a lot of games like i understand that like you had to pick where you put your resources, but like a small enemy variety is usually something I dislike a lot. Yeah. Um, 
it, like, this game wasn't too bad. Like the size of the game world isn't that big in the games, like like between like fifteen and twenty ish hours. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't really like feel like it ever like gets too bad where you're just like ah more phantoms um it gets close but never quite gets there like it doesn't push the line too far um so i thought it was kind of disappointing but like not too bad like it it rides the line yeah i think i think that's probably a good way to look at it it (laughs) i felt like most of the varieties of uh enemies like you the biggest difference was between telepaths and technopaths Mm. very similar model similar behavior but the fights are really different and but mimics greater mimics and the like four i think different varieties of phantoms Mm -hmm. with like the basic one the fire one the electric one and the weird teleporty one Mm -hmm. Not really that uh, the teleporting one is the most different, yeah. but it's just the one that comes directly up to your face. So if you're a shotgun guy, uh, they're the easy ones. <laughs> I guess they just put themselves right in harm's way all the time. Yeah. Uh, and you can always pump them full of glue, slow down time, and beat them with a wrench. <laughs> That is true. I I should have watched more of you playing because I didn't actually spec into combat focus uh-huh. at all. Um just because actually I don't have a good reason for it. It just it I felt maybe I would be like I was like can I use combat focus in conjunction with couches? <laughs> I wasn't it's possible. Sure. <laughs> I was like better not try it. Better get this thing I won't use. Uh <laughs> but either way, I I don't actually know how that goes. Mm-hmm. But I imagine, yeah, you could probably <laughs> cover him with glue and hit him with a wrench. Uh, it's so gratifying when you uh, like hit something with the wrench and like the head, and it does like a bunch of damage. <laughs> yeah, like the uh, critical or, damage. Yeah, or like when you knock them down. Like when you hit them, they just go. Brr. Honestly, so, so satisfying. <laughs> that's the best part of the throwing a storage cube at somebody play style is that they spend most of the fight on the ground, mm-hmm. like Will Smith and Men in Black Two. There's a reference for nobody. Um, <laughs> so in the end, I think what makes the combat cool in the game, in addition to the fact that you can tackle it in a bunch of different ways, is the environments that you get put in. Uh, I don't like fighting a guy in a hallway so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it's very, I guess, literally linear because it is a straight line to uh-huh. where they are. Uh, you just have to find a way to put damage on them. Uh, but one of my favorite moments, maybe in the whole game, came in the power plant room. Uh, and I used the glue gun to wad up of Technopath that was attacking me at the top of the thing and killed it with fall damage. Like it just plummeted to the (laughs) ground and it did the whole thing. And I was like, I didn't even know they could take fall damage. Like I was amazed by this. Mm -hmm. So amazed. I smacked my pop screen around and made a bunch (laughs) of noise. Nobody wants to hear. Uh, And that kind of thing shows up on occasion where you'll just be like, Oh, like I'm in a room where there's like a fucking leak a gas leak and you could lead them into the fire and let Mm -hmm. them explode that way. It was just, it was interesting to be able to actually think about my environment in a game like this. No, yeah, I definitely used fire and turrets to my advantage whenever I could. 
Oh, yeah. Did you not install... You only ever installed Mimic Matter. Yeah. So the turrets were never hostile to you. No. That's... That's gotta be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Sure is. Yeah, like, I specced into um, the repair skill... So any broken ones I ever came across, I always fixed them. Yeah. Carried them around places. I had to, in order to use a turret to my advantage in this, mm-hmm. I, had, hack it. I had to hack it first, then repair it, or get around it and hack it if it isn't broken. Uh, because, yeah, they, after you get, I don't know what the cutoff is, like the number of neuromods you have to put in, or if it's a number of abilities, uh, but yeah, turrets will just shoot at you because they consider you a typhon, mm-hmm. which is great. I love that as an idea. Uh, I didn't love it when I was being shot at, but like conceptually, I yeah. think it's really good. They always say that thing whenever they scan you. It's like insufficient typhon DNA detected. Right. If you're me, that's yeah. what they said. <laughs> there was a minute where all I had was remote manipulation and, and I heard the line a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Well, do we talk about maybe more of the, like, quest line stuff and character beats after the break? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Hey, break. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Welcome back. I had some topics that I think would be good to talk about, but I wanted to lead actually with a uh, thing that is not a discussion topic, it's just a thing I wanted to mention, mm-hmm. and I forgot about earlier, uh, is that you mentioned the hologram screens. <laughs> these are, one, very cool. <laughs> I'm a big fan of how they did these, because almost all of them you can just smash through, uh, which leaves it like playing whatever was on it, but with a hole and you can visually see behind it. Uh, and that was neat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the other thing, and I bring this up not because it's a big major thing, but because people love this shit, uh, is, is like they're called Looking Glass, which is the name of the studio that made System Shock, mm-hmm. which I have to imagine was just like, <laughs> they're like, gotta do it. Yeah, I mean, it also, like, is an Alice in Wonderland reference, like, through the looking glass. Right, and you can, so you can get fact, away with it. Yeah. go through the, the looking glasses, yeah. so, uh, but that was cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't disagree. Uh, the other thing, though, that this game has is you sort of, like, find the, the looking glasses are part of the station and can find them like through and play things through people's like individual little machines and stuff. Uh, and you get, you can access people's machines either the easy way, AKA the way that the fucking neuromod addict takes, which is get the hacking skill up as high as you can and then hack into everybody's computer Mm -hmm. or through finding like passwords and shit and it, I love that it keeps a log <laughs> of all of the passwords and passcodes that you find. Um, because one of the other references to former games is one of the earlier, not the first one, thank God, 
Uh, it's actually surprisingly long. It's, it's long enough into the game that I thought they weren't going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but one of the safe key codes, or the office key code, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. is 0451. Um, the classic... Uh, the homage. The homage number. <laughs> but the guy who you get that from is your assistant, uh, who has a workstation right outside of your office, and interestingly, their password, I love this so much, their password is just OMG Hot Boss. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I fucking lost my mind when I read that. <laughs> like, I thought it was so funny. Uh, I don't remember much of everyone else's passwords. They were all either, like, you know, it it gave, like, a level of character development to these characters who you will never meet. Yeah, there's, like, the ones that play D&D mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, um, but, yeah, I don't remember any specifics either. They felt fairly, like, natural yeah. passwords. Yeah, and, like, some people would have passwords that were better because they were, like, more tech-savvy. Mm-hmm. And then there were other, like, members who weren't as much and would make their password OMG Hot Boss. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just liked that little bit of characterization sprinkled yeah, through. Yeah, that was one of my um, favorite things to do. Like when it came to like the exploration of the area, was like finding people's passwords because mm-hmm. I did not take the hacking uh, abilities. I think I had hacking one. Hacking. I feel like the game almost necessitates you to take the I, first level. I hacked almost nothing throughout <laughs> the game. So that's. I spent so much time hacking near the end of the game. Uh. The the military operators uh, mm. who show up after Doll gets on the station, uh, I think, are hacking level four. If not, they're hacking level three. Um, and I was mostly defenseless against them uh, until I, I then later... Well, no, I probably had electroshock at that point. But it was helpful to hack them because they would shoot lasers at the other ones and then you wouldn't die as fast. Mm -hmm. So I was doing a ton. I would like sneak up on one and hack one and then I would start the combat. And it just takes a very long time to do, but it was just something I ended up doing. So there's probably like, I probably had like a good 20 minutes of my (laughs) playtime was just hacking. Yeah, I I think I hacked four things. I do wish this game kept more <laughs> thorough stats. Actually, it might, yeah. now that I'm thinking about it. I hacked a lot of stuff. <laughs> I couldn't. I could not leave a room unchecked. Yeah. It was not a thing I was, like, prepared for I, emotionally. Yeah, I feel like I just didn't really notice the hacking icon on stuff for, like, a long time. Sure, yeah. Until, like, halfway through the game. Yeah, it's like the key card locks you can't hack, but, like computers yeah. safes like lots of rooms like lots of stuff you could just break into mm-hmm. and i was like that's me i'm the guy who breaks into stuff <laughs> that is in fact how um you get the well may, there's probably a non-hacking way to do this uh to get the key card to get the not the key card but the the launch card to get the ending where you just leave the station mm-hmm. is in Alex's personal room. And in order to get in there, now you get a key card to get in there. His computer, I think is a level four hack. Uh, 
Yeah, the one in his office, I think, is. But no, he gives you the password. Yeah, he and does then he makes eventually. a cheeky thing about how here's the password if you haven't already started hacking into it. Uh huh. Blah Which blah blah. I did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, I hadn't hacked into it when he gave it to him because I didn't have hacking four yet. Mm. But I sure would have, <laughs> undoubtedly. Um, but yeah, it's it's very like it taps into that like lightly voyeuristic idea of just like i gotta look at everybody's fucking emails Mm. which i don't know why that's compelling uh it was interesting to get to go through and like when you got a duplicate email that was like somebody else's email and then you got their response back by getting into the other person's computer yeah it's it's specifically interesting in this kind of context where it's like uh you're gaining information about people who have like are dead like like um like um something like outer wilds Mm -hmm. like you'll you scan runes and you like or like journal entries and things from people who have died um and it's just like an interesting way to like piece together like a narrative or a history it just has that kind of flavor to it yeah it's kind of the opposite of um tacoma where you're finding out that you don't know it, I guess, at the beginning of Tacoma, because uh-huh. the people that you're finding stuff out about in that game aren't actually dead, but right? You, and you knew them. No, you didn't. You don't. Yeah, you don't. Right know now. Them. Yeah, never mind. So you end up getting like all of this information about these characters through sort of like almost an archaeological means. Uh, and I mean, this isn't unique to this game necessarily, but it does like provide an incentive and like drive the player to do stuff, mm-hmm. um, which I think is really neat. I think it's a cool way. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a standout part. It's like, and it's fun to have like been reading emails for certain characters and then meet them. Right. You know, it's it, it's cool because you never know who you're gonna run into. Um, no, but on the on the first half of the cast, uh, you briefly mentioned the the environment, the game environment. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, um, and I wanted to know what you think about it, and if I'm just, like, an asshole or something, because one of my least favorite things about this genre of immersive sim is that I feel like they always take place in, like, a facility. Sure. Um, I don't know, it's... it's always like a hard sell for me for these kinds of games and it's it's weirdly one of the top reasons why or it's just like oh it's like uh like the scaffolding like catwalks and like big old uh pipes and big like generator rooms and computer terminals and it just i don't know i just feel like that's kind of played out and boring yeah I'm going to say you're an asshole. Because, like, space stations are cool. <laughs> I like the part where you get to go out in space. Uh-huh. Like, the Arboretum is nice. But, like, uh, most of it's just, like, research facility corridors. Yeah, I'm I'm saying you're an asshole exclusively <laughs> as revenge for the time that you were like, oh, I'm Chad, I don't think this looks much like a castle oh, on yeah. the Amnesia oh, I love that you bring that up because... I. Every time I listen back to that, I then make the same point later about how it doesn't look much like a castle, and I think I just, like, misunderstood what you meant when you said it the first time. <laughs> and I just need to call myself out. Uh-huh. With that beef cleared up, uh, no, it's kind of boring. Um, I wish that there were, I think, like, there are so many instances of things that could have been cooler on a visual level that 
they didn't take. Uh, and maybe it's a lot of work. Another thing is that mm-hmm. you have to be really careful with like what you give the player the option to do mm-hmm. uh, because you have you have to have kind of a controlled environment when you give your player a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. they can access. Um, like I was showing you at the end of the game, I had the ability to jump really high from a neuromod, mm-hmm. a chipset that made it so that when I activated the jetpack, it gave me thrust instead of like a slow descent. Uh, so I essentially had a double jump and my jump was way higher than it was supposed to be. So if they had this big intrinsic, uh, in, sorry, <laughs> this big intricate, uh, zone for you to jump around in, I could have probably accessed some stuff that I shouldn't have been able to, that mm-hmm. they would have had to like give collision to, uh, that maybe they wouldn't want to because they didn't think people would want to get up there. Uh, and it would have wasted my time, broken their game, and probably killed me. So <laughs> there's a lot of things, I guess, that could lead to it. But, like, I don't want to crawl through the same fucking maintenance corridor again. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same. Every Like, I'm in the Arboretum. I open a door, a uh, little hatch, mm-hmm. and I go into a mostly gray room with red piping. And then I'm in life support, and I open a maintenance hatch. And I'm in a great room with red <laughs> piping. And I'm like, I can't even keep these areas, like, different in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, it would have been cool if there was a little bit more theming, a little bit more visual variety. You mentioned the Arboretum. It fucking does look sick when you're just in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but outside of that, it's kind of a lot of... Yeah, it... It makes me appreciate Bioshock all the more in, like, the clear effort they made to, like, make it interesting. Like, <laughs> visually. Visually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they decided to make a good game. Yeah, Prey was Get like, fucked. okay, let's make this boring-ass game. Yeah, no, but, uh, yeah, visually interesting. Mm-hmm. And even that has parts that kind of feel like a facility. Yeah. You look at this game, like, from a, a purely aesthetic perspective and, like, I mean, graphically, it looks great. Yeah, and you fly by that fucking arcade yeah, like, on that skyscraper. Yeah. Uh, like the, um, one part I did think was really cool was the the guts, mm. like shaft, whatever that was, like uh, the zero gravity like thing that connected uh, all the zones together. Yeah. I thought that was really awesome, like a cool inclusion. Yeah, it was really sick, and I was also really glad to not ever have to go back. <laughs> It's just going through things in zero G is very like tedious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some places obviously where you have to exit the space station. Yeah, and those are also kind of highlights. Yeah, and they look really cool. Uh, <laughs> but it was like a weird like back and forth for me where it's like I don't really like being outside, but also it just it it does. It's really impressive looking. Like being able to look down the whole length of the space station mm-hmm. is cool, uh, and kind of. Probably not as technically, like, intricate as I'm thinking it is, Mm -hmm. but the fact that, like, it has, like, a realistic sense of scale where you know where you are in the space station when you leave Mm -hmm. and going to where you want to be by, like, arcing over it is, like, God, like, you can imagine, like, the stuff inside Mm -hmm. where you were skipping, essentially, to get there. I mean, it probably was designed like that. Like, it does actually all, like, make sense and, like, would fit together um, spatially, like, correctly. Yeah. It's just, it's really fucking nice looking. 
Uh, but I agree. I think you look at it with like the interior design, <laughs> not like the decor, mm-hmm. but like the uh, the design of each of the areas is very samey. All the enemies are black black goo, black goo monsters, or the same shape robot with just a different name i did like the design of those robots oh yeah just as a random thing uh because like they kind of look like computer towers they kind of look like a playstation 5 a little bit um (laughs) but uh uh they're not quite as big as the playstation 5 (laughs) yeah you're right and only uh, some of them have flamethrowers like yeah um but i just thought it was like a really impressive like um effort of like a not so distant future sci-fi aesthetic like i think some of like the designs like i said like the the um, the fabricator and like the robots and things feel like reasonable projections for like stuff that could exist yeah a bit you know obviously a bit fantastical but like if 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 hovering robot assistance existed like that's probably something kind of like what they would look like yeah it feels reasonable <laughs> i i mean i agree and like the idea of the fabricators isn't like yeah, they do just sort of scan a laser beam and the robots pop into existence, but like that's not that's just like a sped up version of shit that we can do is you press a button and have a extensive AutoCAD design mm-hmm. and something will spit material into a blob until it looks like the thing you want it to look like. Like mm-hmm. this game is set like 8 years from now. <laughs> Is it? It's like twenty. It's in the twenty thirties. Oh, I thought it was like out. I thought it was like twenty sixty something. No, well, I think maybe post game. Maybe mm. I'm not sure. I'm. I mean, you would probably remember better than me, but that's not ever true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I will find out briefly. Uh, I just, I just really like like speculative future stuff like that. I yeah. just think it's cool. Like they, I, I appreciate that effort that goes into like trying to make it feel like more like grounded. Twenty, thirty-five. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. That's actually kind of a pet peeve of mine. Then, like <laughs> that, it's that that soon. like yeah, like whenever they do like future stories, they like set it way too like close to now instead of like sh- going like add 50 years onto that number like whatever you said <laughs> like uh like blade runner right. the original blade runner took place in like 2015 or something like that and so now it just feels silly yeah yeah it's interesting because this did just come out in 2017 mm-hmm. so they gave themselves a tw- 20 years mm-hmm. from the period that it came out to when the the talos space station uh which in the lore of the game is like a remnants of multiple countries' space flight efforts mm-hmm. and repurposed into the Talos One space station by the Transtar Corporation happened in 2025, <laughs> which is three years from today. <laughs> and like, we had like the ISS is a real thing. Like it's a big space station that's up in in the sky, mm-hmm. and theoretically, a company I guess could buy it out, and that would be reasonable uh-huh. for twenty twenty five. But it's implied that they had <laughs> floating robots. I think maybe the thing that's supposed to be because it's an alternate timeline fully with like a bunch of different stuff happening, mm-hmm. like. 
it like weirdly stems from like the the Cold War, uh-huh. and like somehow something going differently there is what ripples out. Mm-hmm. I read all of these logs at some point yeah. and have just forgotten. Uh, but I think like with the key thing is the neuromod. Uh-huh. Is they're like if we had neuromod, science would evolve so right. much faster. Uh, and then also bring ruin to the earth, uh-huh. but. Uh, it's really interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about how near future it is. Yeah, it's just a personal like pet peeve. It is. It's funny. Though. It's like it's like when, when you, you can... read it, it yeah. makes you laugh. It's like, but it's so common. Like mm-hmm. Back to the Future, same thing. Yeah. Like they pick. They... I just I can't imagine picking a date that felt like I'm going to live to see uh-huh. for like a science fiction story. I don't know. Would you, Andy? Mm-hmm. Not the character Morgan Yu as being played by Andy. Uh-huh. Install a Neuromod. Uh, after, before or after playing the game. <laughs> if you would have asked me, like, a month ago, I probably would have been, no. Note that you do have to stab your eyeball. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would not. No, you would not install a Neuromod? No. The way that it's advertised in the game, I feel like I would have been one of the suckers. Mm-hmm. I would have been suckered into installing Neuromods. I I don't like the the idea of like mutating myself is kind of like something <laughs> I would be squeamish about. I think this is the prey content people came for. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to jump real high. I mean, that would be tempting. <laughs> it would be tempting to have like a like superhuman abilities. If anything, after playing prey, I'd be less likely to install the neuromod, uh-huh. but not because of the alien DNA. Because I know that from the game, after you jump real high, if you don't have a jetpack, you will shatter your legs. Uh huh. <laughs> I guess, so that's a little dangerous. Yeah. I feel like I couldn't not have the mindset of like, you know, this always works in the comic books, <laughs> but in real life, I'm probably just going to get cancer. Right. <laughs> uh, so let us know in the comments, would you install a Neuromod? What is your favorite Neuromod that you would install? Would you install 137 Neuromods? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you've already installed one, you know. It's like tattoos. After you get your first one, you're like, might as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned before the break, talking a bit about the quest structure. Mm. Um, I don't know how deep you got into, like, doing side quests and stuff. Because I know you're working on a limited time scale yeah. here. Not very. Uh, I would have liked to have had more time to do some stuff. But, yeah, I've not had the time recently. How do you feel about, then, sort of, we're kind of abstracting from that, Mm -hmm. the prevalence of Big Arrow in the game, Mm. uh, the corporation Big Arrow, (laughs) that puts a... a Quest marker? Yeah, that's just constantly visible. Um, Do you think it was necessary in this game, and would you, like you usually do, advocate for turning it off and trying to navigate with signs? Um... I actually hadn't really thought about it in this one. Um, I was really annoyed that the quest marker would often just, like, point you towards the door to the next area and say, like, multiple objectives over there. Right. Um, I made it feel kind of unhelpful in a number of places. Um, um, Yeah, I feel like 
it's kind of tricky because I did feel like as we were talking, like the space station, a lot of it looks kind of samey. And I did find it kind of hard to navigate early on. But, like, once you know the space is actually not that big. Right. So you could very reasonably navigate it without the help. I'd say, I don't I feel like I would leave it on. I just wish it was a little less, or it was a little bit better implemented. Yeah. It is tricky. That's a good word for it. I yeah. don't know how exactly I would describe it because... This is a game where the world itself is rich with, like, natural navigational aids. There's tons of stuff that just tells you where shit is, Mm -hmm. what room you're looking at, all that stuff. Uh, And you can check your objectives to know where you're supposed to be going. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes me lean toward, like, maybe it would be cool if it didn't have an arrow. And I, when I think about it, I think, like, part of the thing that makes it work without it is the use of the map. But the map is also kind of, like, irritating to have to pull up and mm-hmm. look at all the time. So I'm also torn. I think I like the ease of navigation that the arrow brings mm-hmm. more than I would in a similar game with a smaller area, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it feels like it's like almost a missed opportunity to make the game feel more immer- immersive. <laughs> yeah. Now I, a hundred, like I 10 times out of 10 would rather have this than a mini map. Yeah. Fuck mini maps. <laughs> um, but, uh, cause you, you, you're still looking at the game and not at the corner of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, it feels like, cause this game, like the whole conversation about like go like doing a game without maps like you really have to design for that and make it like n- like not just like the spaces like you're saying like signposts and things to help the player navigate but you also have to like design the campaign or the quest with that in mind so like you really have to have it set up from the beginning that you want to do that and i just feel like a lot of projects especially triple a ones just like don't always have the luxury of planning like that yeah so you get quest arrows and mini maps <laughs> um so yeah in a perfect world i think this game could have pulled off no map but you know yeah. we get we get the arrow we got the arrow so i feel like they picked the lesser of two evils in my opinion that's probably true i i would i definitely would not want like the metal gear soliton radar in this one <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it would have taken away from sort of the atmosphere. For sure. Yeah. What you got on your notes there? Uh, I have a really dumb note. Good. Um, <laughs> this game made me a little bit nostalgic for key cards. Hey. Um, because I feel like they were a thing in the 90s, um, like in video games, like Pokemon, I can remember really well, the Silphco building, you had to collect key cards. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that stands out in my memory so much. But, uh, like, because I feel like it was, like, a newer, like, technology, like, a novelty. Like, oh, I use this little plastic card to unlock doors. Um, and... Sorcery. Yeah, so sorcery, (laughs) I know, right? Um, but, uh, I just feel like it popped up in games, like, 25 years ago, and then they went away, and I like it when they (laughs) pop up now. It always makes me, uh, nostalgic. Yeah. It's a weird thing, but... Um... I agree. Also, aesthetically, they work so much better than keys, mm-hmm. uh, especially if your game's set in a modern setting. But like, even like if it's an ambiguous setting, 
it's so much easier to imagine your character with just like a loop of of like cards a card yeah yeah then like literally running around like a fucking janitor with just like a giant key ring mm-hmm. oh, I gotta get the residence key get in there open, open that up mm-hmm. uh it just seems very unbelievable and silly um obviously i'm not recommending putting key cards in dark souls but like <laughs> you get what i'm going for uh-huh. it's just weird uh I liked the collection aspect of them as well. It makes you a little giddy when you pick up a card and you're like, oh, now I can go into that storage room uh-huh. that I've been eyeing. <laughs> uh, it's, a good, it's a good mechanic. And yeah, key card, bring them back. Hashtag bring back key cards. <laughs> that doesn't necessitate setting more games on like a... In a facility, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's the evil You get to go it. with a more modern setting. Oh, you could do a hotel game. Yeah. <laughs> Luigi's Mansion. You could have had key cards. Could have had key cards. Uh, could have should have key cards. <laughs> That's our new company that we're starting. We're going to manufacture key cards. Try to bring them back. <sighs> so tell your friends. Tell your grandmas. Um... Uh, okay, I wanted to mention I had one more thing, uh-huh. and I am out after that. Uh, and that is, are you are you scared of this game? <laughs> um, I feel like a couple of the other things, um, the uh, elements of the game that I mentioned earlier, like I think it starts out kind of menacing and spooky at the beginning and then that kind of like goes away as the game goes on yeah this is a game that has i mean the mimics yeah conceptually. like yeah like the any room you go into there could be enemies and you don't know was like really effective in yeah the beginning it's like there really could be a different game that has a lot of the same stuff and it is just it's not this one because this game has a lot of different ways of dealing with the enemies. Uh, but it's such a scary concept. And I was actually a little bit shocked at how non-frightened I was. A I was bio-shocked? I, I was bio-shocked. I was system-shocked mm, by... There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by how little uh, effect they had on me. Uh, I was somehow trying to shove Shodan in there. I was like, how does this work? Uh, yeah, like, I remember getting into the lobby for the first time mm-hmm. and like um in like the turret is uh like broken and like the guy comes around the corner we try to go to the elevator. Yeah. Like that was pretty scary. Sure was. I actually wanna Is just that the introduction of the Phantoms, I think? I think so. Yeah, yeah. it's very good. It's either there or it's in hardware labs. It doesn't matter. It's still it's still scurry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fucking the lobby thing did remind me of one of the best horror moments of this game for me. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it is not an intended horror moment. It's just an example of like the emergent gameplay that this game likes to try and create. Uh, and that is one time I was in the lobby and was walking across the 
the bridge mm. on the third floor and just fucking fell because one of the glass panels got shot out and I, I didn't shot, notice. I shot the floor and just fell because <laughs> something came at me and I shot at it and it just broke the glass under me. So you used it tactically. No. And I wily coyoted off into the abyss. Mine was just a pure accident. Like oh. the enemy was jumping at me. And I was trying to shoot at it, and because it was so close to me, the bullet missed and hit the ground, and I fell. It fell through. Yeah. That's extremely good. I almost wish that, like, half the floors in this were made <laughs> of glass for shit like that. Uh, th- I loved that. I loved... Th- that's the kind of, like... That's the stuff I was talking about with the, like, look at the environment, like, mm-hmm. shoot the gas lines or whatever. But the fact that it remained broken to the point where I forgot and yeah. then fell off is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and scared the shit out of me. <laughs> uh, yeah, It wasn't super scary, but it was, like, startling slash effective, I thought. It was, like, a later part of the game where a med kit falls out of a, the elevator or one mm. of the lifts and then it's it's a mimic. Like it feels obvious, you know, when I'm just saying it. But like in the moment, you see it and you're like, "Oh, a med pack!" Right. It's like two mimics. Yeah. It's like the one time they used, I think, a mimic in like the most classic sense, where they disguise it as a pickup. Yeah. Well, they there's the one that's um, in there in the. God damn it! In Psychotronics, I think. Uh, there's like a office you can get into that has a fabricator in it mm. and there's an item on the oh, fabricator yeah. belt and it is also a mimic. Yep, I remember that one too. Yep. So there are definitely like a couple of situations where the mimics really get you. Yeah. Uh, sadly, like the difference between a mimic and a greater mimic was like, I don't even know what the difference is except more health. Yeah. They just have more health, do more damage. I think greater mimics can become more complex objects, but I'm not actually sure yeah. of that. Uh, if there was more of a difference, they could have opened up a whole other world of horror moments. Yeah, yeah. I really wish they would have kept the enemies to just mimics for longer mm-hmm. and really milked that. Yeah, just as stray thought. Uh-huh. Um, I really liked the monitors and like the touchscreen menus and things in the game. Mm-hmm. Like I like. That they are designed in such a way that you just walk up to them and use them like you would in real life. Like, part of that immersive sim element of it. Yeah. Uh, just really effectively done. Like, you don't have to, like, um, there's a lot of games where, like, you'll pick up something to read it. And then it'll be, like, hit Y to just, like, put text because it's, like, handwritten or something. Yeah. So they had to put, like, a menu overlay. Like, I like that all the text was just, like, in the game and, like, very legible and... Just looked good, like yeah. well considered, well executed. Yeah, the what it lacks in the like immersive quality of like picking up a handwritten mm-hmm. note and reading, it makes up for in not having to then abstract it so yeah. that somebody who can't read the handwriting doesn't have to pull up a overlay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good like that. Um, I will say I didn't love the audio logs, but that's not really fucking a thing to care about. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Uh, they they were well voice acted and shit. It was just like, God, there were a lot of them, and according to my achievements, I picked up all of them. Yeah. Uh, so there's a definite like overload of of audio involvement in this game at times. Yeah, I I was okay with it because they're the kind that you can just let play while you walk around. So. That is the best kind. Yeah. So I mean, this kind of game 
has audio logs. Yeah. So <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts yeah, about so. it. Uh well. Do we have <laughs> No, too obvious? Do we have fabricated thoughts? An original idea by Chad. Um my fabricated thoughts were original idea by Chad Rotherman trademark. Um are uh, I liked this game. Uh, I, I, I really liked the demo when you showed it to me um, back when it came out. Um, and uh, like this, as I was talking, um, and it's, it's probably evident, like this isn't my favorite genre. I didn't really play anything like this when I was younger, and I think that really impacts my tastes like it does a lot of other people's. But um, I, I don't dislike them at all, but there's just enough stuff to do with like presentation and like shooting mechanics are usually just not my favorite. Um, so they never really are like a big draw to me, but like I have enjoyed the ones that I've played and I, I liked this one quite a bit. Um, and like, yeah, I just, yeah, it's just little like personal things are really the, the kind of things that I take issue with in this. Like I, I would have liked a little bit more of like visual variety. Like I think, uh, if anyone ever makes an immersive sim with like a more unique location, that could be like a really cool selling point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any aspiring uh, developers out there, um, but um, yeah, like this, it's really well made. Like it's it's surprising. Like when you hear like, oh, they're gonna reboot like some PS3 or not PS3, uh, Xbox 360 uh, first person shooter that like. Very, like it had a niche audience like you don't really expect much but um it feels like this came out in it like in 2017 and really like embodies the best a lot of like those design uh trends of the time like it, it just feels like like a really really well put together like immersive sim um and i imagine like people who are into these sorts of games probably sing its praises uh for the most part because i feel like it really delivers um yeah, I really like like the glue gun, the I don't think we mentioned it, but like the recycling bomb. Yeah. Um, the um mimic matter, like all the cool unique abilities, uh really carried it. Um some cool set piece moments. Um So yeah, like I really, really good game, um in a genre that's not really my thing. So like liked it a lot. Um, and it, it's a testament to its quality, I think, that I liked it as much as I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so coming into this, something that I had like is sitting in the back of my mind uh, when this got suggested was, dang, I just played Deathloop mm. like a minute ago. <laughs> and I, was, I actually was going to suggest that one for the podcast. Uh, it's another arcane game. And it's one that is much more similar to Dishonored than uh, it is to Prey. But the whole catalog, really, of Arcane has kind of a through line, a mechanical through line of how how you interact with things. Um, And so we sort of put that on the back burner to talk about this. And I'm so fucking happy we did. Uh, This game is way more my speed than Dishonored was. Um... It's really not my... I don't 
jive with the setting so much and the uh mechanics of it were just sort of like i felt like i was being punished for doing the things that i wanted to do and Prey is the opposite. Prey said, uh, you did some shit. You fucked yourself over by putting all of your eggs in a in the wrong basket, but we're going to make it work for you. And I really liked that. That's my big takeaway for Prey, is no matter what you choose to do in this game, you can force it to work and i loved experimenting with new and different things uh in it uh everything that andy said also is pretty accurate i think i am not uh deep in the immersive sim community necessarily uh for example the only deus ex game i've played is invisible war that's gonna be uh shocking i think for some people to hear Mm. Uh, (laughs) um But this one really, it hits the spot that the original System Shock 2 did. (laughs) Uh, You know, the real original. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and made me, like, open up my eyes to the genre again. Uh, I like thinking about the encounters that I have and trying to do things in new and different ways. And the game has a quick save function, which is uh, used to great effect when you're trying to do wacky shit, and I do like that. Uh, uh, people might argue it makes the game a bit too easy, but I think it makes the game more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, heavy heavy praise from me for, for this game. Uh, liked it a lot. Great suggestion. Moving on. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Shovel Knight, a game both of us have played a little bit of, and to buy us time to sink even more time <laughs> into Elden Ring before we do an episode on that. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to it, though, because like, Shovel Knight's a game that I only picked up once we started the podcast and have like tried to squeeze it in in between games and have never been able to Mm -hmm. so it'll be nice to like go back and scratch something off the backlog yeah and actually as somebody who recently had the experience of trying to buy shovel knight uh if you haven't played it and you want to play it along with us uh we're just gonna be talking about the regular shovel knight campaign (laughs) uh they're like a hundred weird variations on Shovel Knight at this point. Yeah, there's so. at least two beefy DLCs mm-hmm. featuring completely different characters <laughs> with different mechanics. So Yeah. Uh, maybe that'll be like fodder for a different episode if we want to come back to it. But uh, yeah. do, do not <laughs> think that we're going to come in and yeah. be like, we play four games. No Plague Knight, <laughs> no King Knight. Right. No Plague Knight. Those Spectre are the Knight. Spectre Knight. Yeah. I already said Plague Knight. Uh, yeah. So until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com uh, or on splattershot.pro, where you can find links to the Discord server uh, where we got the wonderful suggestions for this month. Uh, we have one more to close out uh, over on Pocket, so keep your eyes out for that. Uh, you can find our email address, our Twitter account. Uh, <laughs> you can find all of our old episodes, including... 
buddy. Bioshock. We did talk about Bioshock a billion years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a space station game at some point. Tacoma? Right? Did Tacoma. That's mm-hmm. a good one to check out. Yeah. We just did Everspace. Yeah. So, so Gone Home and something else from a million years ago. Oh, Portal. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Only old games. Only old relate games. Relate to this one, except for Tacoma. February, more like space <laughs> February. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, those are all of them, huh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit the like button in a lot of different ways. Watch out for all the mimics down in the comment section. Yeah. Psycho subscribe <laughs> for 25 sides. Use the glue gun to make a makeshift staircase up to the bell <laughs> so you can ring it. Do those things. Being off would would do it. Yeah, there we are. Smile fades the summer. Great. 2006 is a real bummer.